You're listening to audio from Plank Row Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankrowharvest.org. Good morning. Uh, I just want to mention that uh, after the service here, we're going to have communion and we're going to welcome new members. So if we've got a few new members uh, that are going to be part of this church, and I'm just so happy to be part of this church. Uh, what I want to talk about today is the armor of God, and I'd been studying this before the Vacation Bible School, and uh, I found it very interesting, and then Terry does a Vacation Bible School, and that was the theme of the whole thing. So uh, if you'll turn to uh, Ephesians uh, 6. Verses 10 through 18. Uh, my version of the Bible is a little bit different because uh, I need things simplified for me. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In all this, take up the shield of faith with, all, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I found that interesting that in the last two uh, verses, it says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Now, I struggle with prayer sometimes. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, well, my prayers aren't long enough. My prayers aren't good enough. But I don't think God really cares. He just wants to hear us speaking to him. And then it says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. So always be in prayer. Uh, in, the, in, in the armor, it mentions the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, fitted with the readiness to share the gospel, or shoes, the shield of faith that extinguishes all the flaming arrows, the helmet of salvation to protect you from your mind from evil, and the sword is the word of God. And uh, one of the things that uh, my wife thinks is funny is as soon as I get up or whenever I go anywhere, I got to have shoes on. You know, I, I, I get up and immediately the first thing I do is look for my shoes, put on a shirt, and I can't go anywhere without uh, my belt. And uh, if you work construction like some of our guys do here, uh, they wear these big heavy belts with this big pouch full of tools. 
And uh, it, they have to have it because otherwise they wouldn't get anything done running back and forth to their vehicle to get a different set of tools or whatever. It would just be impossible. Uh, the thing that I notice is that God provides us the armor, but it's a, a, it's, it depends on us to put it on. Many times we don't put it on. We go through life and uh, we struggle and we don't know why. Because remember, our enemy is not flesh and blood. We can't see him. If Dale's trying to beat me up, maybe I run away from him. I don't think I can outrun him anymore. But we can't see our enemy. Our enemy is spiritual. So we have to prepare accordingly. Uh, the, the, the first thing we'll talk about is the belt of truth. Truth. Uh, Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? You know, he didn't believe in anything. He, be he, he, he lived with believing in his gods, and if something was going on, he'd go to this god or that god, or most of the time they didn't believe anything. But uh, the, the truth is where we can stand on. We can stand on the truth. And, and, and what is truth? Well, we'll talk about that in, the, in a second. But it says to stand firm in the truth. So first of all, you have to be in the word to know the truth, right? Uh, and then you have to really hold on to what you got. And it's easier if you hold on with a group of people than all by yourself. Uh, maybe Samson could go fight an army by himself, but Dale couldn't, even though he was a big Marine there. Uh, he couldn't fight by himself. He needed the army behind him, the Marines behind him. Uh, so our family, our army is you guys. Uh, when we, uh, when uh, Jesus preached one time and many people started to leave him and uh, he, he talked about, uh, you, you know, I'm the, I'm the bread and you got to eat the bread and drink the blood and they were freaking out. And so many, many, many uh, followers decided to leave him because that was, that was too hard. They didn't understand what he was saying. And then he asked his apostles, are, are, are you guys leaving me too? And then Peter, always, you know, always the first to speak. But in this, in this instance, I, I think the Spirit uh, spoke through him because uh, he answered Jesus and said, To whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And, and that is the truth. That is the truth. There is no eternal life through anyone or anything other than Jesus. That's the truth. You can, you can hang your hat on that. Uh, in Isaiah 11.5, it says, righteousness will be his belt. It's talking about the Messiah. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. We all know that Jesus is our righteousness. He's the righteousness of God and he is faithful. He was faithful all the way to the cross. So here's the truth one more time. Jesus saved us through his death, burial, and resurrection. In John, he tells us, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. Amen. Amen. So even though he dies, we, this body's going to die. Uh, the next thing we'll talk about is the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, the breastplate was a big piece of armor. The military, our military wears flak jackets. Uh, it protects the vital organs, mainly the heart, the lungs, 
that kind of stuff. Uh, in the heart, the Bible tells us, is where we start to believe. We reject sin and we turn to righteousness. So the, the, the devil is going to try to attack our heart, our heart. It's the root of emotion. And David said, when David had sinned, David said that God will never turn away a broken and contrite heart. And that's what the devil is targeting. He is targeting our heart because if he can turn us, he may not be able to snatch us away from, the, from, from God, but he can uh, make us live in a home or, or, or make us live a life where we are defeated, where we are worthless for God. In Ezekiel 36, it says, God will give us a heart of flesh and remove our heart of stone. That unbelieving heart, God removes that and gives us a heart that, that feels, that loves, that is uh, faithful to him. And Jesus is going to protect, the, protect us. He's going to protect our heart. He is our righteousness. He is going to be our guide. He is going to be our protector. And uh, sometimes we need a comforter. And we know Jesus is the comforter. The Holy Spirit, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. All right, my, my, the next one is the shoes. I told you how I feel about shoes. I like having shoes. I like good shoes. I remember the first march I went on with the Marines, my socks didn't fit very well. So it tore up my feet. But afterwards, I got the right socks. My boots were broke in. And I think I wore those boots for the next eight years. I love those boots. A, a good pair of shoes is just, you can't, it's just, I don't know. You just need them. A good pair of shoes. So therefore, I have lots of shoes. Uh, uh, the gospel, the gospel is a Greek word that means good news. And... Uh, we get these shoes on our feet so that we can go and spread the, new, the good news. And the good news is peace, joy, fulfillment, and love. Peace comes through having uh, eternal security that we will be with God one day. The joy comes from knowing God, knowing his faithfulness and how good he is to us. The fulfillment, we've all tried to, to be happy buying things or doing things or going places. And then afterwards, what, do we, what, what happens? Eh, it was all right, but, you know, I always give the example. Uh, I needed a truck, so I went and bought this huge truck. And, of course, I didn't listen to my wife. She said, you don't need that big thing. And I was like, I need it. And so I got it, and six months later, I hated it because I hated the payments. It was a gas guzzler, and thankfully, God found people that needed it more than I did. But uh, uh, he is our fulfillment. That truck could never make me happy, even though for the first month or so, I just loved that truck. But it, it, there wasn't anything to it. You know, it was just... That, 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 that applies to relationships, to jobs, to anything in this world that is not about us serving God. And the last thing I said is love. We, we feel the love of God. I've felt it. I've been embraced. I, I have physically felt God embrace me. 
uh, in, in when I was having a bad time one time. And, and every Sunday, I feel you guys embrace me because you guys represent God on this earth and we love each other. And that, that's why I, I really, really uh, enjoy this, this church. And I, I, I like the vision that we have, the things that, we, that we're doing, and it's just a, a, a nice thing to be around all the time. Uh, in Isaiah 52, 7, it says, How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring the good news of peace, good tidings, and salvation. So for shoes, everybody's got shoes in here. So that means go. Go share the gospel, right? Uh, we're gonna, next thing we're going to talk about, I'm rushing a little bit, so we're good. The next thing we're going to talk about is the shield of faith. And the, the thing that stood out when I read this, it said that the shield of faith, it was this big, huge shield. Uh, it was there to extinguish not some, but all the fiery darts of the enemy. Amen. All, all, all means all. That means everything that the enemy tosses at you, if our faith is right, they can't harm you. You know, like that old rap song, you can't touch this. Well, you can't touch us if we're children of God, right? Uh, we have to be resolute and trust without doubt that God is our deliverer. You know, uh, Abel, he was found righteous because he provided the right sacrifice. Noah, can you imagine what Noah went through? Uh, building that, that ark for 120 years, I think. And the people must have thought, he's a nut. And they didn't think he was a nut when it started raining. And Abraham, Abraham's faith was so strong that uh, he was ready to sacrifice Isaac. Faith starts small. Jesus tells us that faith, faith starts as what? A little tiny mustard seed. I had this student that had a little thing that she wore, and it was full. I thought it was sand. And I go, what is that? She goes, those are mustard seeds. But they look, so sand. They look like sand because the, the seed is so small. But that, that's what Jesus says our faith starts with. And uh, our faith increases because uh, as we get to read this and we get to be around God's people, we start to experience and know God's character. And God's character is not like ours. You know, we change. In James, it says, we're wishy-washy. He says, but God is firm. God is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. I was reading uh, through Matthew Henry the other day, and I found this, and I had to put this in there. He said, I don't just believe this because I read the Bible. I have experienced it in my life, talking about God, both as a child as an, and an, as an adult. God has a record that I can look at and trust. And we can all he sit here like, uh, and, and like Dale said, talk about close calls when we thought we were going to, you know, be going to the other side and see how God was faithful to us. God is faithful. God is faithful. Uh, when the three Hebrew children were tossed into the furnace, and it was made super, super hot. 
it, the Bible tells us that when they looked in there, they didn't just see three people dancing around and having a good time, right? They saw what? They saw a fourth person in there. And that fourth person was Jesus in there protecting them. You know, he's always with us. We're never alone. And that, to me, that's such a comfort to know that he's always with us. Uh, looking back, we can all see God's hand of protection on our lives. And as we go through life, as we get a little bit older, uh, I think it gets easier and our faith gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But we have to start with a li like a little mustard seed. Uh, next thing we'll talk about is the helmet of salvation. Uh, the helmet is supposed to protect your head, but spiritually, this is where you choose to follow Jesus. So he's going to attack your head. He's going to put thoughts in your mind. He's going to constantly bombard you with uh, doubt. Oh, you're, you can't believe this. Oh, look at that. You guys are suffering. You guys are being, you know, tormented. And, but the funny thing is, whenever... Christians are being uh, persecuted, the church doesn't get smaller. It always gets bigger. And in the book of Acts, it says that when they were being persecuted, they, they left Jerusalem. They said, we can't take it anymore. But what did they go do? They went to other cities and started churches. And then the gospel spread. So every time there's persecution against the church, the church gets stronger. It doesn't get weaker. Uh, your heart breaks and repents, and your mind chooses a new life in Christ. Your mind makes choices. It thinks all the time. It reasons what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Uh, hopefully, we're choosing good over evil most of the time. When we are saved, we get the Holy Spirit to be our guide. I like what it says in Hebrews 8.10, and this is from, I believe it's Jeremiah, I, I, I forgot to write it down, but it says, I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So God is doing that for us. He is putting that in our hearts and our minds to, to love him, to love each other, and to serve him. That's what being a Christian is all about. The heart and the mind make us the individuals that we are. When we are saved, God makes us a new creation. So the old things that were part of our life, we toss them away. We don't want to be a part of that anymore because we know that it was, it was, uh, it just caused nothing but trouble. When we fail, and we all do, God is there to forgive us. And to me, that's the biggest thing, right? Uh, four, thing, four things that help me in my walk. Prayer, which I don't do as well as I should. Study. I, I love to study. I, I read and I study and I write notes. Uh, more and more, the fellowship here is just incredible. I just love you guys. And it gets better. You should have been here yesterday. Mr. Ed was surprised at all the people that came to wish him a happy birthday. It was just very nice. And service. Service to each other, service to the community, 
that thing that's going to happen in, in August. It's going to be nice. We get to be out there. And not just us, but the whole body of Christ. The churches in our community are serving the, the poor and the widows and everybody that needs our help. And that's what, that's what Jesus came to do, right? Uh, the Mayo Clinic did a study uh, about doing good about kindness. And I was talking to Dale. I heard somebody say the other day that being kind is like a superpower because it just completely, uh, what's the word she used? Uh, it completely unarms the person you're speaking with. It just, you're nice to them and they don't know what to do anymore. But the Mayo Clinic said being kind boosts serotonin and dopamine which are neurotransmitters in the brain that give you feelings of satisfaction and well-being and cause the pleasure reward centers in your brain to light up. Endorphins, which are your body's natural painkillers, also are also released. So think about that. When, when we're doing good for somebody else, we're feeling good too, right? Uh so my, my, my words to you is go and be salt and light, just like Jesus told us to do. All right, the spirit, the sword of the spirit. This one, you know, if you think about the spirit and, and the sword of the spirit, I immediately go to, when I hear sword, I hear Jesus. Uh, and I'll tell you why in a minute. It said, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And who was the Word? The Word was Jesus. And Jesus created the world. He is the Word. We have the same Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then He sent us the Spirit, to guide us, to help us, to be with us, to comfort us. Uh, in Hebrews, it says that the, the, the word is a double-edged sword. So I'm going to go to Hebrews real quick and read that. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So you can't hide from God. He's going to judge your thoughts, your attitudes. He's going to cut you to the quick. I've heard people say that all my life. Cut you to the quick. Because he's, he's testing our hearts. He wants our, our hearts to be right. Uh, the sword is offensive. It's used to attack and to destroy the lies of the enemy. Jesus is the word, and he disrupts and challenges us to be saved and to serve. Now, remember the first time you heard the gospel. You may have thought, eh, that's, that's nice. The people seem nice, and that's good, but I'm a good person. I don't need that stuff. I don't need to be hanging out with them, you know, doing their thing. That's their thing. But then it, it just kept going over and over in you. And, and that sword just kept cutting and cutting. And then finally one day, uh, we give our life over to Christ. 
And, and that's because the sword divided us, because the sword cut our hearts. In Spanish, the, the word in John 1.1, 1, 1, instead of saying word or palabra, they use the word verbo, which sounds like the word verb. So that's the same thing. Verbo and verb mean the same thing. And if you're an English person, you know that the word verb describes words that are action words, not sit. Oh, well, sit is an action, I guess, but uh, they're words that describe action. Okay, action. Uh, I love what Jesus said when uh, John's apostles, I mean, not, yeah, John the Baptist's apostles came to ask him because John's in prison at this point and they come and John's, you know, doubting a little bit. And so he tells his disciples, hey, go see if this Jesus guy is the real deal or, or do we look for someone else? So in uh, Matthew 11, verse 4, uh, they come and ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? So are you the real deal or is there someone else coming? And Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ. I'm... No, Jesus says this, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Those are all action, right? Receive, walk, uh, cured, hear, raised, and preach. Those are all action words. Jesus is all about action. And that's what he wants us to be, all about action. So we, I, I, I love going to the to the, the little neighborhoods over here and having those cookouts on Friday. Uh, I love seeing the kids come, and uh, they were having a good time in the, in the vacation Bible school. And I think more than the kids having a good time, the adults were having a good time because we were doing what God wanted us to do, right? Uh, we're going to go to Revelation 19. Going back to the sword a little bit. And this describes you guys too. In Revelation 19, verse 11, it says, it, it's titled, The Rider on the White Horse. It says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. And those two words are capitalized. So you know who that is, right? With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. Because he's a king of, king, king of kings and uh, prince of princesses and lord of lords, and he's everything. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. So we're behind him. I'm going to be riding a horse. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. I'm not even going to have to do anything. 
because with just one word, the armies are gone. Uh, I got a funny story about horses, but I can't tell you. But it, it sort of excites me that I'm going to be riding a horse. Uh, when I was stationed with the Marines during the Gulf, Corps, Gulf War, our, uh, our lieutenant colonel, he wanted to get promoted so bad. So he volunteered us for everything, everything, anything that, was, that, that needed a Marine there, he volunteered us. And uh, I was just happy to stay on the boat, you know. But he volunteered us, and we ended up going into northern Iraq and helping the Kurds. And it was, it was really good because we did a lot of medical help for them, and we made Saddam's armies go away, so they were very happy with us. But his philosophy was, you know, we're Marines. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We're trained. We're equipped. We know what's needed. We got to go. And so... All I'm saying to, to you guys is we are not Marines, but we're God's army. And so we're trained. He's given us his armor. Uh, we got a leader here who's following the real leader. And uh, we got to go. Uh, in Matthew 28, Jesus said, because you're not going alone. You're not going alone. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Uh, that's all I have, but we're adding a few more families to our army today. And so I'm really happy about that. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your love and your mercy, Lord, your grace that you show us daily. I thank you for these people that are here. I pray that if there's anyone who doesn't know you, Lord, that they start to seek you, that they would want to see what gives us this joy and peace that the world doesn't understand. Father, I just pray that you be with us today, that you uh, be with us this week, that you protect us in our jobs that you uh, give us the right things to say and to do. And I ask you all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Yes, sir. I'm going to turn this off. Charlie, Charlie is the proof of what we're going to talk about this morning I, uh, because my mother-in-law was very sick and uh, we really don't know what's going on there. She's doing better. She's uh, 87 and had part of her pancreas removed and is having these health issues, you know, and you never know how things are going to go and it looked like it was not going well. And so I asked him and some others if they would do different things this week, including preach, because I didn't know if I'd be back today. And I appreciate that Charlie did that and I will say that it was... When you have a lot of things like that in your personal life, it's really hard to come up, you know, uh, you say, well, the Holy Spirit's going to speak through, yes, but it's also nice to be able to have a coherent thought when you're going to speak, you know, and so for him to be able to fill in for me, I really appreciate that, Charlie, and, and uh, he's a good man and, and uh, comes through, and that's what we're going to talk about is our members. If those that were going to be called for membership here, did uh, Bill not show up? Okay, 
Well, we're going to get Emily anyway, and let's get some of these that, uh, uh, these that are going to be introduced as new members. If you'll come and just sit on this front row for me right here. So Miss Janet, or uh, yeah, Janet, and, and, uh, and then we'll introduce them, and then I'm gonna, we'll speak for a minute, and we'll introduce them, and then we're going to have communion together, okay? Maybe the lake was calling Bill, and he had to go find a fish. <laughs> the lake. Scoot down one more. I got them in. I got them in. I got just enough chairs for everybody. If you'll two twos and twos. Everybody, scoot down, uh, please. There you go. We got to make room for Mama. There. Let's sit, sit right here, if you would. Do we have any more? I think this is a one, two, three, and four families. Let's go to First Corinthians. If we got to look at if we got to look at membership, or why would we have members? I mean, some people ask me that. Why would we have members? Why can't we just, as Christians, why can't we just come to one fellowship or another? And um, and and many of these people right here, have all to one extent or another, have already been serving our fellowship. Emily and has been serving our fellowship for a while, say a year at least or so, more or less a year in music. And then um, this, some of these helped in vacation Bible school. BJ goes and goes to people's homes and visits them on our behalf and, and actually went and visited a man that had a heart attack that I was not able to go see at the hospital that she knows, but not to the extent that I know him, but I was able to send BJ and she goes and visits him at the hospital and sits with him there. And, and that was real sweet. Um, if I had to pick one scripture there out of this first Corinthians verse, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has placed these in the church. So God puts different people in different churches for different purposes. In the old, in the old, old days, in the, in the New Testament churches it first began, we had churches by city. So if we had the Church of Crossville, it would have been a relatively small group of people since everyone was pagans, especially starting out, and they wouldn't have had the church on this corner and the church on that corner. They'd have had a church, and you'd have had to get there if you wanted to worship with other believers. And we don't have that necessarily stress here we can pick and choose which church we like by what flavor the preaching is or what you know some people like uh, some flavors and some like more some people like pew jumpers and tambourine shakers and snake handlers and some people like it a little more calm than that so it depends on the on your flavor there to a point but if they're preaching the gospel and they're speaking sound doctrine it's it's fair to say that you could attend this church or another church that's evangelical preaching the gospel with sound doctrine you could go to that fellowship and back in the old times around here, people went where it was closest by horse. So that's why you have all these little country churches around in Cumberland County, you know, Fredonia or, or Bethlehem Baptist or whatever. Woody, they had these different little churches because that's as far as you wanted to travel on a horse or by foot in the morning for a service. But now with cars, we can go wherever we want. And these people have chosen to come here. But we don't want people to come to our fellowship. I got a couple rules about that. Um, and, and one of them is I don't really want you to come here because you didn't like the place you were at. If God placed you at a place to serve and do his will, and you had a, I mean, in, in some ways or another, I mean, if the doctrine is solid and if these other things are solid, well, then maybe it's you. You know, they say that about marriage. You know, people get divorced, but they take 100% of the old problems of their old marriage with them, you, and they go to the new marriage and they introduce that same amount of issue in the new marriage that they had in the old marriage, and they're like, well, this person's no better than the other one I had. And so it's very true in churches, too. If you left one and come to another, trust me, we got, we're, not per we're mostly perfect, but if you look very close, you'll find the imperfections. The biggest one's probably me. 
And so if you watch me, you'll find flaws in my, in my leading or in the things that I say. I don't speak perfectly all the time. I tease too much. I, whatever. I got plenty of flaws. Just watch me and I'll, you'll see them. So if you're coming for me, then you're coming for the wrong reason. If you're coming here to serve the other members of the fellowship, serve the Lord, you're coming for the right reason. If you're coming just to sit and take up space, you're coming for the wrong reason. And so these have all proven that they're, they desire to serve as much as is possible, and that I'm really happy. Let's read here in 1 Corinthians what it says about members. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, we'll read part of 11 for our, for our communion maybe, but for, for this part of fellowship, we could look at any church or any person and see that you have these assorted body parts on you, and that's what Paul's making that that comparison with, you know, the eye does one purpose, the ear does a purpose, the nose, and even the pinky toe provides balance. So each part, though it may seem unimportant, is very important. And so he's talking about spiritual gifts within the fellowship and the different bodies and the different personalities. The same, start at verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You have been given a spiritual gift. Each of you have, each of you have. And it's for the profit of all. A person says, well, I can sing, I can play the piano, but I don't want to play for you. Well, I'm sorry, but the gift was given to you for me. And my gift was given to me for you. That's how the body works. What if your pinky toe says, I ain't walking today? Well, then the whole body's not walking today. What if the eyeball says, I'm not seeing today? Well, then we're not seeing today. So the gifts come as a package. So we have in this fellowship right now, everything we need to accomplish all the will of God that he has for us, for our purpose, for this time in this age, in this country. We got it. It's all right here. We have all the spiritual gifts represented in one way or another. I'm, I'm sure of it. But some people choose to sit on their gifts and some people choose to use their gifts. If everybody does their part in the giftedness, just got to draw attention to yourself, don't you, brother? No, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm teasing them. See, I said, I tease too much. I'm sorry. But if each person sits on their gifts, that means that other people have to double down on theirs, right? Just use your gift in the way that you're gifted, minister in the way you've been called to minister, and we'll all be blessed in, in ultimately in the work in thereof. And then go down, uh, it speaks of the gifts there, but then in verse 11 it says, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We have all been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact the body is not one member but many. We all have different personalities. Have mercy on one another. For God's sakes, have mercy on one another. Because the body does well when we have mercy on one another. We're not the same personality. Thank the Lord. We don't have the same energy levels. We don't have the same desires. We don't have the same likes. We, some people are carpenters. Some people are mechanics. Some people are good with children. Some people are good with paperwork. Some people are good at administration. I can't make a mechanic an administrator. It's not what he wants to do. He won't excel in it. It's not what he likes. But I can make a mechanic a mechanic and him do well at it and enjoy his life and be fruitful in it. Or a carpenter or an administrator. 
So let them be who they are. Let individuals be who they are. And then he goes on to talk about those different body parts doing different things. Look at verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So we have to assume, if we read God's word and we believe that it's true, we have to assume that the people that came today and desired to become members of our fellowship, that God brought them. We've talked to them. I know them. I pray you've talked to them and that you know them to some extent. They've done the things, the things that they should do to at least be a member of the church. That is, they're saved and they've been baptized according to as they've been um, um, commanded to do by God's word. And now they plan to serve again in obedience to God's word. So it's kind of like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. What would prohibit them from being members? If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you may. He says, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. What keeps me from being baptized? Nothing. Come over to this water right here. And it's the same thing with these members. If they have these things, then we can have fellowship with them. Now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he pleased. As he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, whose members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one of the members is honored, all the members rejoice in it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You don't lose your individual personality. You don't lose your individual individuality, I guess, for a lack of a better word. You don't lose any of those things to become a member of our fellowship. But it's okay if you're a member in good standing, you're doing the work of an evangelist, you're doing the work of a minister, and you go into town and you tell them that you go to church here, that's okay. Now, if you're going to be a dud, don't tell them where you go to church. But if you're going to do well, it's okay to advertise. All right? So be a good example in the county, friends. So we have these families here. We have the Olson family, uh, Kurt and Andrea. We have BJ Loscar. We have Emily and Bill Kilby. He's the invisible man. And then we have Janet Smith, and we have Buddy and Diana Squires. And we'll, I'll present them to you here in a second. But all these people, like I said, have already been serving the church. And, and like I said, we have other churches in Crossville they could have been a member of, but they chose to come here. And so in that, we have expectations of them, just like they have expectations of fellowship with us. We have expectations of you. Um, from us, they should receive love, care, support, um, help as needed. And that's in everything. It said that in Acts uh, 2, that they had all things in common. And they spent a lot of time going to one another's homes, breaking bread and sharing in the apostles' doctrine and those things. And we should be doing that as well. And in general, we do do that. And we have that meal on Sunday mornings specific, specifically because we want to share in breaking bread with one another and enjoying one another's fellowship. But i got to ask you, what's your expectation of us? <laughs> and here's what I can offer to you, that we will do these things 
as best as possible, will preach the word as true to God's word as, it, as I possibly can do and those that fill in the same. Will we say things incorrect at times? Probably. We're fallen people. But as the Holy Spirit leads, we'll do the best we possibly can to hear his voice and preach the word. Um, we'll provide you a place to worship with us and fellowship with us. We'll provide you all these things, love, care, and support, help, as much as is possible that we can provide for you. And I trust that you will do the same for us. These are the things that I require from you, especially you, Emily. No, from all of you. I told her I was going to tease her less, and that's, it's worse. It's worse. I can't help it. Sorry. A kind demeanor, a desire to consider others more highly than themselves, a desire to serve, a desire to act in godly ministry both inside and outside the fellowship, and an, exa an excellent example to both the lost and believers that we would present the hope and the exhortation of the Word of God and His Messiah, Jesus Christ, to one another and to the world. Our ministry as believers doesn't end at the door. It begins. So we come and we encourage one another here, build them up as best we can in the faith, and then we're encouraged to go out and do the work as we go outside the door. And then we come in all shot up and fiery darted from the evil one. We can encourage one another, bandage up the wounds, and build one another up so they can go back out and do it again. And I pray that you'll be a part of that. So I was going to ask these questions, and with the affirmative, we'll, we'll take a vote to see if we allow you into our fellowship and you can just answer with yes. Is it your testimony that you have received Yeshua, Jesus Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior? Olson's, everyone. Have you received believers' baptism by immersion? Yes. We have one that we got to work on there. We're not sure he was fully immersed. It's been a while. But we'll work on him. <laughs> we're we're going to baptize Kurt Olson here shortly, and we, we've talked about that. Is it your expectation to be served by this body and to serve this body as well? Yes. Are you willing to use your spiritual gifts to the utmost among us here at, at our fellowship? Yes. Okay. Now for the body, I'd ask you a question. Will you accept these as members in good standing into our fellowship on their profession of faith and baptism, their willingness to serve and be served by our church? You can just answer by amen. amen. Okay. So our church is going to become healthier as the individual members become healthier. The more we grow, the more we spiritually grow, the more we endeavor to study God's Word and know it, the more we endeavor to, to grow closer together as a fellowship, the more we endeavor to serve one another, the better our body will be. If we get particularly selfish or dissentive or, or just causing discord or whatever, then we'll be less healthy. So I pray that our healthiness will increase as we overlook one another's shortcomings, not sin necessarily, it's, we're supposed to exhort one another daily, but not allowing sin to run rampant, but allowing people to be who they are, I pray that we can do that with one another. Allow each one to live according to their own personality, and as it becomes healthier, we'll have even a greater impact on our county and our state and, and hopefully our nation. We're in a tough time in this age, and I, I pray you see I pray you understand that where we're at in the world is a dangerous, dangerous spot. We're in a time of turning away from God completely, but the church is going to be refined in that same time, and by persecution it'll grow. And we're going to have to stand firm. When all the rest of the world turns against us, maybe even comes after us, we're going to have to defend one another and serve one another and care for one another. And I pray that we can do that in this fellowship. The Bible... <laughs> um, 
I pray that we'll protect one another in the trying days to come. I really do. As we are, the part of the expectation of being here at this church is to go on mission, to go to other countries and to go to the, the, the world outside the door. And I pray that you'll become a part of that and do a part in that. I know some of you guys are signed up to already go on a mission trip. And by our love for one another, the world will know that we're Christians. Some will desire that and some will not. But it's, it's what God called us to do, to be this example set apart for good works. So we're called by Christ, and we're called by him to follow him and to do the obedience of the ministry that he's called us to. So I'd like to celebrate um, amongst ourselves this morning by sharing communion, but I want um, uh, William Strong and Charlie to come, and we're going to serve these in the front row first. And then after, after you guys receive communion, just stay seated right there if you would. And then so, so what we're going to do is we're going to do it a little different. I'm going to mix it up on you. But they want to serve each person individually. The easiest way to do it is go around the back and come up this side if you would. All right? And then you can go down the middle back to your chairs. You got me? So uh, starting here in the front, we can just come around this way. But give me just a second. Don't, don't flinch yet. Everybody relax. I'm going to have them serve these in the front row first, and then we'll come, okay? Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll begin. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you with this group of people, Lord, and we give them to you. We commend them to you in our fellowship. I, Lord, I pray that you protect our fellowship from the fiery darts of the evil one, from those that would come in, false teachers, heretics, apostates, anyone that would seek to harm the body. Lord, I pray for the protection of the children here that go to different homes where we have no control. Lord, have mercy on them. Protect their bodies. Protect their minds. Lord, I pray that you protect these families. I pray you protect their marriages. I pray that you grow in them spiritually at the desire, the conviction of spirit to read your word, to study, to show themselves approved. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for your blessings on us. In Jesus' name, amen.